0: Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal every week to bring the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we pray that it changes your heart and provokes life change and action. God bless, and please listen from your heart. Enjoy.
1: got your Bible, please turn or turn on or turn the app on or whatever you're doing this day. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll be looking at Paul and his response to liberty. The Apostle Paul was perhaps one of the greatest travelers of his day. He visited many lands and saw new scenes in different countries. When he returned, he wrote a good deal. His epistle were, his epistles were widely read by the early churches. And yet, in all the writings of the apostle, there is not one line that is descriptive of the scenery of the countries through which he passed. Not a line telling of the wonders of the architecture of his day. Not a line describing the customs of the people. Is this singular? There is a reason for it. The apostle was blind. As he traveled about, he was blind to all else but one thing. On the way to Damascus, when he met the Lord Jesus, he was blinded by the vision of his great glory. And from that time, he could see nothing but him and tell of nothing but his gospel. Let's look at this passage in chapter 9. In chapter 9, he begins to ask the question, Who am I to you? Who am I to you? So he's addressing his audience and saying, who am I to you? And so defending himself in all of this, he says, who am I to you? Verse 1 and 2 says this, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am an apostle, at least I am to you for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So, in other words, he's, he's trying to define what he is about, what freedoms he's been given. And those freedoms, that liberty has been given by the Almighty God. And so it is very much an understanding that it's not what those people are giving him. It's not what others are telling him he can or cannot do. It's understanding that true freedom comes from him. So he gives a defense of this. So Paul's defense to those that are examining him. Verse 3 says, My defense is this to those who examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do... Only Barnabas and I have the right to refrain from working. Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? So he's talking about the rights that he has. He's talking about as a believer in the one true God, exactly what he is able to do, and the freedoms he has are given to him by his relationship with Christ, and so there's very much an understanding here, just as others are able to do these things, Christ has given him the right to do this, and I have to think that maybe people are questioning, maybe people are asking a lot of him, well, if you're a Christ follower, why are you doing this? Almost as if to trip him up. But, but he says, these are my rights. Can't I do this? Am I not able as others are? So we understand that, and it takes it a little step further, and he starts thinking about all the other things. He says, verse 8, says, I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the loss also say these things? Verse 9, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is He? So God is the judge that will look at His life. God is the judge that will take His actions and His words and His deeds. And and God is the judge that that will take care of all that is right and is wrong and is lawful. And those that are trying to judge him, humanly speaking, pale in comparison to that. And so we begin to see this in verse 10. It says, Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, Because of the plow, man ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. So we're all together in this sense. All are together. There are all that have freedom in Christ, and all are allowed to do said things. Verse 11 says, If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ." Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? So there's there's a differentiation between what's happening around him, what he sees others doing, what he sees as being acceptable, but also what things are given because of his freedom in Christ, his rights, his understanding of all things together. But he also directs this. Paul kind of flips this around and starts talking about the gospel. Now, if you and I understand the gospel, the gospel is the revelation of God through Jesus Christ. The gospel is not only what Jesus did, but the words he said, the accounts given, but also the full salvation sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that we might have freedom. And so verse 14 really really develops this. It says, so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. But I have used none of these things and I am not writing these things so that it would be done so in my case. For it would be better to me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. His whole reason for preaching was that the name of Christ would be proclaimed. Was that God Almighty would use His giving, His going, His serving... His ability to share the gospel with people that knew him in the former sense, before he was saved on that Damascus road. There were people who were trying to figure out and understand that if God can change him, certainly God can change them. So the gospel was paramount. And he didn't want anything to take the light off of Christ. He didn't want anything not to advance the gospel. He wanted all people to understand why he was there. So, so Paul preached in the same, same vein. Verse 16, it says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward, but if, but if against my will I have a stewardship entrusted to me, what then is my reward? that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. He doesn't want to muddy the waters. He, He wants you to understand, Paul does, wants you to understand why he tells others of Jesus Christ, what his motivation is. And it's not from the things which he can have, It's for the glory which comes by following Christ and the reward that He has as He lives and preaches the gospel. That reward meaning the lives of those He encounters being changed. Being changed meaning they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. His reward is not in all of these other fashions that the world has. In fact, those who traveled and shared the gospel throughout the land primarily took what they could with them and didn't have a place of their own didn't have a a place to like settle down but his whole purpose was transformed when he met Christ and so his freedom informed everything in his life. His liberty, his salvation informed everything from that point on. Verse 19 says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. A slave to all? What does that mean? In other words, he found his life's calling to go wherever whenever, however, the gospel needed him and to whatever land and people group he needed to. Paul said, I just want to be used by you, God. So the freedom I have, and even though I can and am able to do all things, I want to do what God has singularly called me out to do. And so I want to do that, that I may win more, that Christ may reign in me. So to the Jews, I became as a Jew so that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. It's, 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 It's so important to understand that this was not compromising the call of Christ in his life. This was not compromising his spirituality or God's mandate to go there for. This was not a compromise of any of that. This was very much a dying to self and the human side of things. It was saying, look, I don't need all of these things. All I need to do is live for Jesus. I don't need anything I want to be all things to all people, that they might have a moment in time, that they might have an opportunity, that they could on this day define who they follow, that they could have hope beyond hope in Jesus Christ. Where they formerly did not know Him and were were so entrenched in their sin, they are finding the word of freedom and the fruit of, of Christ in my life, and so therefore they are changing their hearts and minds and acknowledging Him. Verse 22 says, "To so the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. So his His purpose is that God be glorified, that others might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through his efforts, that he might save some. I noticed there that he does not say so that so that he might save everybody, so that everybody that he encounters might know Christ, even though that's a, that's a great ideal, and most people would. He wants some just for the name of Christ to be written in their lives, that they might go and do the very same thing they've seen Him do. In other words, they'll pattern their lives after Him and be able to reach an even greater audience. Verse 23 says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Verse 24, uh, it just really digs and digs and digs and digs all into this. But if we really, before we go there... But, but if we really look at it, there's a gospel in miniature that's out there. Uh, Martin Luther wrote it like this concerning John 3.16. He said, the heart of the Bible, the gospel in miniature, It's so simple a child could understand it, yet it condenses the deep and marvelous truths of, of redemption into these few pungent words. If we look at John 3.16 and we say God, God is the greatest lover. He so loved, which is the greatest degree. He so loved the world, which is the greatest number. That means each and every person today, He loved. That He gave the greatest act. No one could do what Jesus did. He gave. His only begotten Son, the greatest gift. That whosoever, the greatest invitation, that means that if it's an invitation, then it's a response that has to be made by the audience, the hearer of this invitation. Whosoever means anyone, anywhere, anytime. Believeth the greatest simplicity. That means that you acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. In Him, the greatest person being Jesus Christ. Should not perish the greatest deliverance. What does perish mean? That means that the debt for our sin is hell itself. An eternal hell itself. That is the debt for our sin. But we are not perishing if we acknowledge Him. He delivers us. But the greatest difference. Have the greatest certainty. Everlasting life. The greatest possession that in such a time as this should bring great comfort to you and I. Now Paul accentuates it that we are all in this together. And this is why Paul ran the race. This is why Paul took great heed to the calling and the gospel in his life. This is why Paul said and understood, as verse 23 said a minute ago, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. He understood that he played a part in the overall plan of God in this world through Jesus Christ. This is why he... Did what he did. Verse 24 says, Do you know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Give it all you have. Give it all you've got to the very last breath and the very last moment to live for God that those around you might be impacted and might be called and might be called to salvation, but also called to live according to His Word, which is a higher standard. So we're all in this. Verse 25 says, Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things, then they do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we are imperishable. That means that God, our reward in God through Christ, is eternal life in heaven forever and ever. That is our reward for running the race, for doing what we ought to do. So Paul ran in such a way, and I believe we should too. Verse 26, Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified he's doing, all that he's doing, we need to do all that we can do that we might not be ashamed of the gospel, that we might live according to a standard that this world might not ever embrace or understand, but we do so that there might be someone, somewhere, someplace that might hear the name of Christ for the very first time or hear it for the 53rd time, and it finally sticks, the light comes on, and they understand that Christ died just for them, that they might know freedom and him and him alone, that this is why we share the good news, this is why churches minister when difficult times come, this is why we as a family minister to you even in such extreme times, this is why we do what we do, that some might know Christ through our efforts, that we run not just to see ourselves run, but we do what we do that Christ might be glorified, that we might not live in vain, but we might do all that we can to bring others and to help others. An example was given in this illustration of the ladder plus man's body. It says, The sailor's home in Liverpool was once on fire at night, and a great cry of fire was raised. When the people assembled, they saw in the upper story some man crying for help. The fire escape did not nearly reach where the men were. A long ladder was brought up and put against the burning building, but it was too short. A British sailor in the crowd soon rushed up the ladder, balanced himself on the utmost or uppermost round with his foot, and seized the sill with his hands and shouted, Quick, men, scramble over my body on the ladder, and down you go. One by one, the man came down until all were saved, and then the sailor came down. His face burnt, his hair singed, and his fingers blistered. But he had saved the man. The latter went a long way. But before the man could be saved, it needed the length of a man. Before many people in this world can be saved, and before they fully engage and understand it, They need you and I too. Stand in that gap to point to what Jesus Christ did. That Jesus was not like every other man, but Jesus paid a price for you and for me. Scourged and beaten for my transgressions. Carrying that cross, that that instrument of death, up to His place where He would be crucified. They put Him in a borrowed tomb. It was not even His own. But three days from that point, He came and returned. And He is preparing a place for all who are redeemed in glory. So we have a responsibility this day to run the race. If you and I don't do anything else during this time of crises... During this time of this pandemic, during this time of uncertainty, I'm gonna ask you to run the race. I'm gonna ask you to run the race no matter if you believe that you are doing no good but allowing God to do His greatest in you. It's gonna be costly. But what I'm finding is that people are willing to talk about gospel messages and, and things that are, that are going on in our lives in such a time as this. They're open to things, so why are not we telling them? Why are we checking on our neighbors? Why are we helping the less fortunate? Why are we going into places and not apologizing for the gospel, but proclaiming the gospel with boldness? There are some of you that are watching this broadcast and you're saying, I understand all of those things and yes, I see others doing that. And maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what, I see others doing that, but, but I'm here for Jesus. I want to know how I might know that kind of assurance, that kind of joy, that kind of hope because I've never ever had that in my life. And maybe during a time of crisis like this when some are working, some are shut down, some have lost their jobs, some of you are just trying to hold it together, some of you are not liking this distancing thing, some of you are just trying to figure out what to do next or how to get what you need to get next when things are really tight and trying to make things work. What we need and what you need first and foremost is to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if today you're here listening to this and this is speaking to your very heart, maybe God is reaching out to you, letting you know there's hope in Jesus Christ. That at your point of when you were just so sinful in your life, making all the decisions that landed you where you are and you feel like there's no hope, Jesus died for you. And it's not in when you get your life in order that you come to Jesus and then everything's great. It's how you get your life to in order is coming to Jesus. He changes everything. He changes our story. He changes our life. He changes our eternity. And so we come to Him acknowledging that we need Him, that He died for us, that He rose from the grave, understanding that He is our only means of salvation. When we have that, we are, we are then a child of God. We have been forever changed And nothing ever can remove us from His hand. But it means that we have to say, God, God, forgive me for all the wrong I've done. And if we're willing to call and confess to Him, then He is willing to save us. It says in Scripture that He removes all of our sin as far as the east is from the west. So if you need to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior on this day, wherever you are, wherever... This broadcast finds you. I ask you to bow your head with me. Father God, we come to you. God, we just seek you. Earnestly and honestly, God, we ask that you, God, that you change us, God. That you give us hope in a time of great uncertainty. God, for the ones here who have absolutely never called on your name for for salvation or much anything else, God... God, I pray that in this mind, in this time, that you let them know with every bit of assurance that, God, you are here, that you love them, that you die for them, that they might have freedom, that they might have hope, that they might have salvation in you and you alone. So, God, this time, God, I pray that that if someone is thinking about that, God, that they are willing to take the bold step to say, Jesus, save me. And, Father, you have said, you know what? I am willing to save you for all who confess. So, God, I pray if there's someone here in this broadcast that's hearing this, God, I pray that salvation comes to them and their home today and changes them forever. God, I pray for those who are trying to live amidst all of this. God, I pray as they are having to field answers from all different areas. God, I pray that they're willing to be a proclaimer of you, despite the difficulties. God, that they're willing to take the freedom that they have in you to be bold where others cower down, to be bold when others ask questions, to point to you and you alone as their life goal. God, we're here for your glory, for your kingdom's sake. God, it has to be at the very end of us and the very beginning of you that we understand when we're weak, God, you are at your strongest. So God, maybe we're, we're feeling pretty weak these days, but God, we, need, we know we need to rely on you. We know we need you for everything that is ahead. Because God, in your strength, all things are possible. So God, govern and guide us in this time. God, that we might respond to you and that you might hear us when we call. It's in your name we pray, amen.
0: Thank you for joining the Friendship family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.